Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a wonderful start to your week. This week's episode is with Colin Morgan. So I was recently on Colin's podcast, which is called The Daily Grind, and I'd highly recommend everyone to check out that episode. It's actually in the show notes. Uh, But to give you some context on Colin, Colin is a former professional golfer turned entrepreneur. However, the transition was far from smooth, as is the case with most professional athletes. He was struggling with identity, struggling with who he was, struggling with the ups and downs of changing identities from something that he had done his entire life to now focusing on more than just the money, focusing on new passions, new life. In the beginning, it was very, very, very tough. But Colin went from focusing on the money to focusing on providing value and building strong relationships, being around positive people, changing his life, improving his habits, and and really coming face-to-face with this shift in his identity. Because at that point, he realized he never knew where to start until he became more conscious and self-aware. And in this episode, Colin shares his journey on how he built this awareness how he turned pain into passion and purpose, how he started listening to the clues and going from somebody who was waiting for the answers to come to him to somebody who was looking and seeking and going out there and trying to find his way through the world. And so I know you guys are going to love this episode. I really enjoyed diving into the mind of Colin and getting such a unique perspective on somebody who went from such a a career where your identity and your career are almost intertwined to having something where he was focused on who he could be as opposed to what he could have. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this, uh, but before we get into the episode, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on any of the podcast apps, leave us your favorite thing about the podcast or the number one thing you learned from the episode and the reviews. I read all of them. Uh, send me a note on Instagram, whatever your vehicle for communicating is. I want to hear it. But anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I hope you guys are creating lives and legacies that you love. But without further ado, here is my friend, Mr. Colin Morgan. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. You guys are doing great. I'm having a particularly awesome day because I'm sitting next to my friend, uh, Mr. Colin Morgan. How are you, brother? Raj, man, I'm always good. Now, anytime I'm I'm face to face with Raj Jana, it's a good day. Thanks hey, for having I can me. Say the show, same man. thing about Colin Morgan. So I think today's just going to be a spectacular day. I'm pumped, man. You know, I sat on your podcast, Daily Grind, uh, not too long ago, and I really enjoyed that conversation. It was so awesome. I'm, kind of, I'm excited not only to further topics and ideas that we discussed there, but also just dive into the mind of who you are. Is that tickles my fancy, bro? So, anyways, already introed you prior to going into the conversation, so everybody knows a little bit about you. So, I'm going to dive into the deep end. So, your story is 
particularly fascinating because you were a professional golfer and I imagine how much work it takes to become a professional golfer. And that's not something you started midlife. That's likely something you started when you were a kid and identity of being a golfer. Um, and then at some point I was reading, you found a switch where you didn't want to be a golfer anymore. How did you build the awareness to know that, like the awareness to know that this is an identity I didn't want to have anymore? Because that's not an easy... I mean, most people will go their entire lives not being able to decipher that switch. So what did that look like for you? And how did you develop that? For me, it was done through pain. I think I had been golfing probably for about a year, knowing internally when I look back on it, that this wasn't the path for me that uh, I probably needed to do something else. But I, I stayed with it for that amount of time because I felt like I was letting family down and I was letting my sponsors down and I was letting people close to me down. And through all of my time growing up and wanting to be a professional athlete, my identity was linked to my sport. And that wasn't the right thing to do. But that happens to athletes and that happens to people who are super passionate about what they love to do. And for me, it was just... I'll tell you this story. I was, at a, I was in Arizona and I was on the ninth hole of golf tournament. I'd been preparing to, to go to Q school. So for those of you who know what Q school is, I was trying to reach the PGA tour. So it's like a qualifying school for the PGA yeah. tour, which was in a couple months. Okay. I'd been having a rough time in Arizona for probably two months. My game wasn't there. I was unhappy. I wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing. And I was on the ninth hole. My brother flew down from Canada, caddy for me. And I quickly like just duck hooked one in the water and I had like a, a breakdown and not necessarily like a breakdown in front of everyone where I'm like crying or yelling or angry, but I just like had a moment where I'm walking down the fairway and I'm like, I've been here for two months. I've been in Arizona for two months. I know nothing about this state other than the golf course that I'm playing on today. Like, I don't know anything that's outside of it. I don't eat at restaurants. I'm secluding myself from others. Like, I'm just really unhappy. Like, is this the life that I want to live? And I'm just walking down the fairway and I'm so unhappy. I paid a bunch of money for this tournament. And I looked at my brother, I'm like, Ross, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, this, the, the same game that brought me so much joy and that I loved growing up and everything that I worked for now just brings out the worst in me, I feel like. And I'm just becoming bitter because of it. And it was at that moment where I kind of really decided that I needed to go in a different path. But it wasn't without a bunch of pain. And probably it was a year too long, to be honest. But it's funny how moments play out and things sort of accumulate. Like you look... In hindsight, you look back and you can kind of figure things out. You look and you say... I could have done this differently or I realized that I was done here. But I think everything happens for a reason. And I think me coming to that state and realizing that like, just for me, the fact that I'm in Arizona and I knew nothing about where I was living. All I was doing was going to the golf course, driving home, sleeping, going to the golf course, driving home, sleeping, super unhappy. I was just like, this is not the life that I want. And I knew that I needed to change. Why do you think something that brought you so much joy in your life also brought you so much pain? For a few reasons. I think that I had an amazing childhood growing up, like amazing parents. They pretty much instilled in me, I could do whatever I wanted. No matter what I did, I had that belief in me and any, any resources that I need, I had. And I really didn't face adversity until I was around 19 years old in university. And through, I can't say too much in detail, but I was emotionally and sexually abused um, at my time. 
And I don't think that I healed ever from that. So even when I was playing professional golf, there's definitely a piece of that that stuck with me. And every time I would step on a golf course, I thought of those things and it just brought pain into me. And then trying to forget them. And when you go through pain, you can either deal with it or you decide to bury it like I did and never speak about it again. And things just build up and build up and build up. You start to go down a path that you shouldn't. And for me, it was just two moments. It was not being able to face adversity because the first adversity that I faced was at 19. And then knowing that this was all I had, like everything that I'd ever worked for, who I am is in this game. I can't give it up and I don't want to give it up and I'm struggling, but I still have to do it. It's just when you do something for so long, I think sometimes if you're not careful, you can develop a real true hate for it, which is interesting. Yeah. It's the contrast. It's, I think, I don't think there's ever a, such a thing as bad emotions, right? Like you can love something, but you can also not like something. And both of those are natural parts of life. Like you, mm-hmm. you fall into seasons of life. Now, now you transition. So you left golf. You pretty much like the bottle had been shuck up and popped off for lack of a better word. Uh, now yeah. there's all this stuff flowing out. What did your, your internal dialogue look like when you left golf and tried going elsewhere, or trying a new life or doing something else? For a long time, I was very poor, to be quite honest. I didn't succeed right away. It probably took me three years to really sort of find my feet in what I was doing. And for the time that I left golf, like I left my passion, I felt lost. I was drinking too much and I was partying too much and I was just trying to mask the emotions that I was feeling. And I felt better hungover than I did felt sober. Not that I was an alcoholic, but when I'm 19, 20, or when I was 22 years old, partying is a big part of your life for some of us. And for me, it definitely was. And I just kind of took that path and I lived for the nightlife and I was serving and bartending. So it fit in perfectly with what I wanted. I tried a whole bunch of different things. Like I I tried to start a a golf business online. I tried to get into e-commerce. I almost got, I was like days away from opening up a used car lot where we're going to be in-house financing. But all of those things that I just did for the money. And that's the reason why I failed at them all. I was looking for that quick thing because I was so unhappy with myself. I didn't want to put in any work because I wasn't passionate because I felt like I'd lost my passion and I wasn't going to be able to, to do anything else. So I was just looking for what's that one thing I can just make, you know, like $10 million really quick and then not do anything for the rest of my life. And that was my mindset. And it was because I was a super bitter Three years in, I started to realize that this is really unhealthy. And I started to work with someone to get through the past pain that I had gone through and deal with what I was going through. And through doing that, I got into self-development and reading books and learning from others and listening to podcasts. And it really opened my eyes into the outside world of what was possible. And I decided that I was going to recreate myself. Um, I was going to take the old Colin and bury him away and this is time for, for something new and something great and something that I can be proud of. And it's amazing. I, I started to walk at that time around like cemeteries, funny enough. <laughs> it was weird, man. I started to walk around cemeteries. And I would read people's you know, uh, gravestones. And I'm like, what do I want mine to say? I'm like, I see a whole bunch of people here who potentially may be living with regret. And I see people standing over their graveyard with their lo- of their loved ones with flowers and remembering them. I'm like, who do I want to be remembered for? I think that was probably a big moment. I don't share that too much. But weirdly enough, I think going through those scenarios in my head, I, I decided that I really needed to change and I wanted to be someone different. 
I was listening to a, I think another podcast or some book or something. There's like a, a Les Brown quote that talks about how the graveyard is the richest. It's got the most dreams. It's got the most, it's like the richest because people die with their unlived lives. And so I, thought, I think it's interesting that you found your inspiration in a graveyard where other people had their unlived lives. What I love is that you didn't focus on what you wanted, which is probably what you were doing before. What do I want to be remembered for? You you change it to who I want to be remembered for. Yes. So how did personal development, how did reading the books, how did getting the help allow you to define who you wanted to be? I love that point you made because I think that people have a, a distinction between what they do and who they are. And that's exactly what happened to me. I think we get so passionate about, we love what we do so much. We intertwine like our success and how much money we make to who we are as people. And when I, you mentioned like, who do I want to be? For me, it's like, what do I want people to talk about when I'm out of the room? When people talk about Colin or when people talk about Raj, like, what do you want them to say when you're not around? For a lot of people, and for me, it was like that question. It was probably like, people are probably talking shit about me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot. So I'm like, I I have to change that narrative. I don't want to be that person. People always thought of me as really kind and, you know, a lot of potential. But outside of that, it was, now what's he doing, right? So I I wanted to change that narrative of like, what are people saying behind my back? And then speaking on change, I think there's sort of five pillars of change. And I think, you know, the five pillars make up a fist. And this is like what I want to create. This is the symbolism for power. And to create this, it takes five fingers. And the first one, which we talked about is self-awareness. It's admitting to yourself that you need to change. That's the hardest thing in the world is to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, for me, the last 22 years of my life or or for this five year span that I was playing golf, like I didn't do things right. I pretty much just crapped down my last five years, but I have so many years ahead of me and I can change right now. It's that admittance. And the second finger, I love this one. You put up that middle finger. (laughs) And this is when you start to understand once you accept that you need to change, you start to realize all of those negative behaviors and patterns and thoughts that you've had that has led you to where you are. So this is like a real deep self-awareness stage. You're like, this is why I've led down here. And once you understand those sort of bad behaviors, now it goes into the honeymoon stage. And for those of you who who are married, I'm not, but you'll understand this. Like the honeymoon stage is the greatest because you see the best results because you start to replace those bad thoughts and behaviors with good thoughts and winning behaviors. And you start to recreate who you are. You see that huge jump. Like when you go to the gym, for the first month, you see the greatest results, but it's also very short lived typically. So people will do that for a week, typical honeymoons a week, right? And then things go sort of for the smallest part, some keep going up, but it's the same thing in life with people. And in order to create that sort of upward motion is that fourth finger, which is the littlest one. It's the easiest to break. People forget about it. It's the most important. It's consistency. Dude, I was awesome. consistent about these behaviors and thoughts every day, man. Like you can't give up on it. And then the last one is like the glue for me and the fist, right? It like glues everything together. This is where you really get strong. And this is where you really make a change. And you need that vision. Like you need that vision for what you want and who you want to be in your life. And that'll glue all of those five pillars together. 
And I think when you do that, like that's when you can really find your voice and start to make a real positive change and see those amazing results and be the person that you're meant to be. First of all, I love the fist analogy. Because I've always believed that so you can have the habits you've had. I, I think it takes being extremely honest with yourself to change. If you're not being radically honest or absolutely just real with yourself, then no matter how much you try to change, like you might read a book, you might do things, you'll never actually get to the real core root issue. You'll just be treating symptoms the entire time. Yes, and, 100%. You know, in my life, I've always experienced that even the things that I was bad at, like maybe I had bad habits or different things, the actions that I took in my past created the reality I have today. Mm. And it isn't until for me, until I recognized that, realized that and actually was grateful for it or, or, or aware of it or forgave myself for that. Was I able to then replace those previous habits with new ones, with yes. expansive ones, with exciting ones and, and, and even have the motivation or the, or the inside inspiration to go and create new habits. At what point should people have a vision? And can that vision be born from your past? Or do you create a vision from your, from your new bound habits and futures? Like, like how does the vision fit? Because I think if you just focus a vision on the future without having the past, it, it, it's not a story, right? Because like a story mm-hmm. has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And sometimes your brightest visions are rooted in your scariest pasts. So yeah. how does all of it fit together in, in a way that empowers you move forward? So just like you had said with a story, right? There's a beginning, middle, and an end. You lived the beginning. That's already been written. What you're going through right now, this is the middle. Like right now, today, this is, this is the middle. What you want to be in the future is what I'm talking about because we can't change the past. We can just learn from it. We can look at it and say, what would we have done differently? How can we learn and do things so that we don't make those same mistakes today and then set ourselves up for the future. But what do we want our future to look like? For me, it's not just like, what do I want to drive? And what kind of house do I want to live in? And what kind of money do I want to make? But it goes back to those just questions about me. It's like, what do I want people to think of me? What type of person do I want to be? What am I going to do with my money? What is my money going to buy? What does happiness look like for me? It's just having that, that real vision in your head of what you want that future to look like for you. And I think it's super important because it drives you when you don't want to get up in the morning, right? You, you remember, you take those past experiences and you said, in the past, I used to not wake up in the morning. That got me these results. So I know that I need to do that right now in order to get the new results, in order to create the life that I really want to live. I think it's super important what you're saying. You need to deal with the past. The future is what you do right now to what you're in control of. And I think that's where you implement a lot of what you've learned, but it's setting yourself up for like, what do you want? And I think that's a question that only you can answer yourself. What's the difference between passion and purpose? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing. Like, I don't know if I have the, the, like a deep answer for that, like a passion and a purpose. I, I think it could be one and the same. Maybe your purpose is, what sort of stamp you want to leave in this world and your passion is the vehicle that you use in order to create that stamp. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's really a good way of putting it. Maybe that's how I could put it, but I think that's a, that's a tough question. I think no, it's a question we're constantly answering. I didn't, I'm not putting you on the spot there. I'm just, I'm curious. Well, it's something I'm, I'm pondering right now in my own life as 
I have so many vehicles that create that, that create a present day passion, but each of those vehicles to me are driving towards like an overall purpose, like the fuel for those vehicles, the reasons why I wake up, the reasons why I'm showing up, whether it's in podcasting or business or family, that is almost like a, a common thread. I can have many passions, but I've always felt like I can only have one purpose. And I'm finding that to be more consistent. So I wanted to just take, get your take and see if you had any experiences around that selfishly for my own benefit. I mean, I think the way you put it makes sense. I mean, I think your purpose can maybe change. Like I think I know my purpose has changed. Like when I thought my purpose was going to be 10 years ago is different than five years ago is different than a year ago is different right now. And I don't know if it's, I'm just open to that myself of like, I'm really passionate about what I want to do right now, but you know what, that may change in the future. And I'm open to it because I want to be flexible. I want to be able to adapt, but I agree with you. I think that your passion or the vehicles you use, and then you have to have a main purpose that you're working towards. You said something earlier about what do people think of me when I'm not around or what, what do people say about me when I'm not around? There's also a delicate balance with caring what people think about you mm-hmm. with doing it the way you did it, which is using it as fuel for becoming a better person. How do you balance that, that need for acceptance with just the need to be a better person? Because that question can be used in either way. Yeah, it can. I think that for every person that thinks I'm great, there's going to be, for every 10 people that think I'm great, there's probably one person that's like, this guy's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm okay with that because I know my intentions going into it. And you know what? It is important. Like, I, I think it is important for people to look at you in the right light whether they agree with what you're doing or whatnot, but people will drive your business. I mean, for, for you, Raj, like people have definitely driven your business, like grow your brand. People talk about it. They share it out. It's definitely people driven business. I think every business is people driven. I want people to, when they speak about me, they may not like what I do or whatever, but I want them to respect who I am. And most successful people that I've been in the same room with or had a chance to have lunch with, I leave those meetings feeling super energized. Like I'm just like, wow, like that person for all he's done and all he has to do, like how giving he is with his time and with his knowledge, like it's incredible. And I want that. And I may not agree with everything that he does, but I just want people to, when they finish like speaking with me or meeting with me, they're just, they feel that same energy that I feel with those people that I really love and respect. No, I love that, man. Uh, I, I, I just read a book called The Go-Giver. It's like a quick read. I totally pick it up. It's literally like you probably finished in a couple hours. And I think I read it like a couple weekends ago. And it was just a reminder about what you just said. You know, Because I, I personally believe that... So our goals in life, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, is to achieve self-actualization. That's like the tip of the pyramid, which is like you achieving your life's potential. Yeah. But I think that we as a collective species, like humans are all looking to like humanity has their own pyramid that it's reaching towards. And by giving and by being somebody who's giving or being somebody who's helping, you're essentially helping others reach their own pyramid, which is just raising the collective happiness of of everyone around you. And to me, like, why do you, I guess I want to get your take. Why do you think giving feels so good? It's like that feeling of like people I'll walk down a street and see someone who's homeless. And like, if I got money in my pocket, man, I will give them money. And I know a lot of my friends I'm with are all like, they ask to say, why do you do that? It's like, I feel good about myself. 
Like it's, I don't care what he does with the money. I don't care if he uses it for good purposes or if he goes to the liquor store and buys a beer. Like to me, it is not about what it buys. It's about the intention towards it. It's about me knowing that, you know what? He may buy a beer, but he may really need it. He may buy mittens with it. It's freezing cold outside. And I did my part in order to maybe help that person get through a night. And if he gets through the night, maybe it opens him, him up to a someone that he meets that will absolutely change his life. So I, I think it's just like, no matter if you're going through something and I went through it, like you feel like for me, I went through pain, man. And when you're going through pain, you feel like you're the only person in the world who's going through pain. And it's weird. You're like unable to see the outside world and you're unable to look at anybody else. Like you feel like everyone's conspiring against you. And if you're going through that, man, like go and help someone, whether it's like a toonie or whatever, whenever I do that, I feel like a million dollars. And I feel like since I did that, I've done my part and I'm not expecting anything in return, but often or not things like every time I give, I get back. Like it's funny how that happens. And it's not, like I said, I'm not expecting to get something back. And I don't know why you have that feeling. Like you're asking, why do you have that feeling? It's just like, you do like when you help someone, like if you help someone make a thousand dollars, who doesn't have money, like it feels good. Or if when you help someone give a toonie who doesn't have, who has 25 cents, it feels good because you see it in their face. They're just like, Hey man, I need a break. And I hope so. I hope one day if I'm ever in that situation, someone will cut me a break. <laughs> so it just feels good. Like, I, I don't know. So you said that, you know, when I give, I get 10 times back. Can you give me an example? Yeah. I mean, so recently I've been on this big thing of now I'm taking what I've gone through when I want to deliver it into the world. Like I want to let people know about abuse in sports. I want to create that awareness. I want to make that change. It's a, it's a huge epidemic. I had a conversation with a friend, mother of mine who I went to school with and he unfortunately took his own life because of some of the stuff that he had gone through. She had mentioned to me, she's like, you know, Colin, you're doing all these things in business, but she goes, you've been through something and you can help a lot of people and you should just give back and do what you can in order to help people. And I took that to heart, man. Like the next day I reached out to all the universities in my, in Canada from where I am. And I'm like, listen, this is who I am. This is the message I want to, I want to deliver. I would love to come to university. I want to speak. And I was doing it for free. Like I was literally doing it for free. I'm like, I will come. It's my expense. And these people, like, first of all, their response backs were amazing. And not only that, they're like, no, 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 you're not speaking for free. What's your fee? To me, it's just like, it's something as small as that. It's like not expecting anything. It's like, let me deliver for you. And the fact that I'm willing to do it for free, but they're like, no, you're not doing it for free. To me, that is that is the ultimate. Like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe for some others, it's not. For me, man, that feels like like this is what I should be doing. Yeah, and it's so if it just feels good not only for all of your hard work and efforts, but when you give yourself, and then people appreciate everything you're giving to the point where they want to give back in their own way. Like when you inspire a chain of giving, and yes. it's like the world just feels better. It's like, I give here, that person gives to another person, that person gives to this person, this person might give back to you. Like, it's just this amazing chain of reciprocating what you're getting. And I think it creates almost like this amazing, positive, like wormhole, man. Like, it's just constantly 
everybody is helping everybody and it creates a really, I don't know, at least in my own circle, I, I realized this, like when I first started changing my life, I was doing everything to change my own life. Like I used to you know, be an employee and then going from employee to entrepreneur. Like I was just trying to change my life, but I didn't realize. And there's, there's an, and, and what I want to get to is like the attitude of giving to yourself, even giving, like giving yourself a chance to be better, giving your chance, giving yourself a chance to improve. The more I gave that to myself, the more my immediate circle around me started taking my own example and doing something in their lives. I mean, giving doesn't just go with doing something for someone else. It also goes to giving yourself permission to shine, giving yourself permission to grow, giving yourself permission. Did you ever have a phase where you weren't giving yourself, like you've had trouble giving yourself permission to be your best? All the time. <laughs> I think it, you go back to like caring about what people think. I think I cared about people, what people think so much. It holds you back, right? Like now I'm at the point where I want people to respect me, but their thoughts about me are not going to dictate what I do. Like they're not going to dictate my actions. They're not going to dictate my next steps, but for sure, man, like so much of that is what I go is what I, I mean, I still think I go through it. Like I still think those things hold you back. I still think it's like, I know I can give more. I know I can give more, but I still think those things you're talking about hold everyone back. How do you face those, those conversations when they come up? I think sometimes you don't realize it right away. If I realize it right away, those like ultimate, I wish that that would happen all the time. But I think you realize it. Yeah. I think you realize it over time, just with like the results you get. And, you know, results are easy to see, like right in front of you. It's like, what am I doing right now? Like, how did I get these results? And you'll look back and be like, hey, how did, and then you can break down, how did I get there? And then you start to say, oh, okay. Now I see how I can do that. But you have to have those moments of self-reflection. I try to do it every day and I'm not perfect, but I try to do it every day where I sit back. I'm like, Hey, what am I doing? Like, am I really messing up or am I on the right path? And I'm okay to mess up because I know that I'll learn from it, but I don't want to mess up the fact where, you know, I can't come back from it or it's going to take me forever. So I think going through moments of self-reflection and like you had mentioned, I think earlier, honest self-reflection, which is difficult. Sometimes I think it's really important. One thing uh, I admire about you now is, you know, the work you do helping professional athletes transition out, you know, mm-hmm. came from your own pain and your own story. And it took you a while to get there, right? Like it wasn't something that came to you immediately. It sounds like a conversation with a friend's mom really kind of guided you there. Like, how did you connect the dots to the point where you realized that this is the work that you should be doing? Yeah, I think it's like a progression. I think that it's from failures. Like I think as much as I was seeing like so many great results, I think last year I kind of went through a more of a down and it wasn't like a huge down, but it's like, okay. And I didn't take that step up that I wanted to take. Like I didn't quite reach those goals. Where am I going? Like, what am I doing right now? Where am I going? Having those conversations at self-reflection again. And then it started actually with what you had mentioned. I'm like, you know what? I can help athletes transition and prepare for life after sports. And I can do that at the professional level. I had friends who play on the PGA Tour, playing professional hockey, reached out to them. They're super open about it because they all have conversations about it right now. Because they all... I didn't know this, but they all had those same worries because a professional athlete life is typically five and a half years. From 20 to 30, you make 90% of your money and 90% of your overall money for the rest of your life. So it's like you're either going to quit and then take 
the budget that you had and just really shrink it and live super small. So you're good. Or you have to find that re, you know, that new passion for life again. Going on top of that, it's like, then I have the conversation with my friend's mom. And then I'm like, not only can I help professional athletes, but what I really should be doing is helping people like what I've gone through kids and working with coaches and leadership teams to work through these issues. Cause it's great to help someone who's going through something, but to prevent it altogether, I think it's like the ultimate goal. It's like, imagine I could sit back, imagine through my work, I could prevent this from happening to one kid or to one adult. Like talk about a purpose for me, man. Like that's enough fuel I need to get through it. But it takes like, that took probably a year of like, but I'm, I'm looking for it. I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Like I was looking for it. Like, what do I really want to do? Like I'm doing something, I'm succeeding at it, but what do I really want to do? And it's going back to what you talked about of having that purpose. And I think right now I've sort of found what I want to do and my purpose. How did you find what you were looking for? By looking. Hmm. <laughs> I think most of us for, for a long time, I didn't look, I didn't want to look. Right. I think we can only look in what's right in front of our eyes. It's difficult to look at what you with our peripheral vision and say, what's outside of our world right now? What do I want in the future? Like what's happened in the past? What do I want in the future? But you have to look. And I think oftentimes when we look, we don't like what we see. And I think that's why we don't look. But for me, I was looking for it. If you want to find something, maybe you'll step on like if you're looking for gold, maybe you'll step on something and like hurt your foot and then you find gold under your foot. <laughs> Or you need the tools to help you find that gold. You need those little machines or you need big digging machines. Like how are you going to go? Like I'm actively looking for it. So I think that's the answer is you need to be looking for it. How did you build the courage to start looking? Knowing what I had gone through. I'm like, I've been through it. I don't know. I can't go through anything worse. Like even, even dealing with that. I went through the shitter. For me, it doesn't matter what anyone else says anymore. I don't care. If I fail and people laugh at me, I don't care. I'll just keep going. So it's like having that like freedom of like, it doesn't matter to me what anyone else says. I've already been through it. Now it's time to not worry about what other people think. Instead, how do I become that person that people look at? And it's like, wow, look what he's doing. Like that's super inspiring, helping people. It's just, uh, for me, it's the past. It's like, I've been through it doesn't matter anymore what anyone else thinks. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, one of our previous guests, a guy named Steve Sims on, on the podcast, he, he had a quote that I still carry with me today. He's like, people aren't afraid of failing. They're afraid of people seeing them fail. Mm. I've carried that with me a lot because that idea holds weight that we already have the answers to our relationships with failure. Like we already have all the answers we've, ever wanted for anything we're ever going to do. Like, like it's all inside of us, just based on the lives we've lived, lives we're living, where we are, our environments, it all feeds into this giant encyclopedia. But unless you open the encyclopedia, start reading it, flash a flashlight into the spots of the room that have maybe cobwebs or scary monsters that you're afraid of dealing with, until you start to do that, you can't come to the terms or become aware or even start to heal the scary side of journeying into the unknown because it is scary. It's fucking scary. terrifying. Actually, the idea of 
opening doors that were shut closed. Like you nailed those doors closed because you never wanted to experience it again in your childhood. And now you're opening them up and there's all this pain and maybe the gold, like you said, I love that analogy of stepping on the gold and, and realizing that that is what you were looking for. Was there an experience that allowed you to normalize that concept where you stepped on gold and you turned around and then you realized that it was what you were looking for all along? I don't know. I think that my whole life was that (laughs) into one. So I I can't give you like an exact moment of like, I stepped on this and it's like, here's and I found it. I think it's just like I said, I was looking for it and I wasn't waiting for something to happen. I think for so long I was waiting for something to happen. Like you wait, you're like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to start that when I'm ready. But right now my life's way too hectic. I got too many bills. Like this isn't going to happen. I can't take time off. You're going to keep waiting because if you don't change what your situation is not going to change. So if you're not ready now, I promise you, you're not going to be ready in a week or a month. (laughs) Have you ever felt like the second you started looking or you started noticing that like, you started finding a lot more that you weren't aware of before. Totally. It could have made your life way easier. Oh man. Crazy amounts. I look back, even my time in university, I'm like, man, you just open your eyes, dude. Like I go to my recruiting trip. Imagine this, you're a kid, right? You're 19 years old or 18 years old. I forget what I was at the time. Go on a recruiting trip. I was robbed. And then on my recruiting trip, I like blackout drunk. And then I have to play the next day. I'm like puking off the first tee. I get offered a full scholarship and I decide, yeah, let's go there. I'll go there. Like, what am I, like, what am I doing? Like a, like a normal person in the right mind would not think that. But when you think that that's what you have to do, like that's the path that you need to get in order to get where you want to go. That's where bad choices get made. And that's where that conversation of passion and who you are, like it, intertwining that can be dangerous. So let's say somebody's married to a path, right? Like they've spent years. Let's say, let's take uh, like a medical student as an example, right? Somebody who has gone to school, didn't really know what they wanted to do, spent all this time preparing, spending the money, getting ready for this thing. That's a tough conversation to have. Maybe like eight years in, I don't want to do this anymore. So people usually just stick with it and they keep going. How do you have a conversation with them? Like, how do they have those conversations with themselves and build the bravery to maybe say, this isn't for me? Like when so much time and energy has been invested in that path, like how do, how do you even break away from that? You can either keep fighting through it because it's just going to continue to be a battle. Like maybe for some people, they have that conversation of like, they've gone through medical school. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like this sucks. And they wanted to quit forever. And then three years into it, they find a love for it. I've heard of that happening, but it's like, do you want to live that way for the rest of your life? Like hating, like hating your life, hating what you do. Typically when you're out of medical school, you're below 30. You have 50 plus years left to live your life. Like really when past the age of 15 is really, maybe past the age of like 18 is really when you start to live your own life. Yep. So you've only been living for like 10 years. You have 50 more to go. You can either be really unhappy with what you're doing for the rest of your life because you don't want to quit because you put too much time into it for the for five years. Or you can say that I can take another 10 years, maybe learn a new skill, maybe not make as much money as I want. So the next 40 can be amazing. Mm. That's the way I look at it. 
There it is, man. You know, I think it's the switch between, you know, I, I just realized I became very aware of myself. I was thinking through a life is short mindset. When you think life is short, you start to look at even five years as like, damn, like that's five years. Like <laughs> well, I got to make the most of everything. I've, like, I don't want these five years to go to waste. But when you think about when you flip that and you just say life is very long, we have lots of time now. It almost felt freeing to just think of the idea that I've got, I can restart at any given point. Anytime. Like, let's say I'm done here. Fine. Maybe I'm, I'm 30, maybe I'm 40, maybe I'm 50. I think I was, you know, reading something about like, I saw this, uh, this meme floating around on, on social media. And it was like, Oprah started her career, like in her thirties, Walt Disney was like, you know, washing toilets or something like that in his thirties, like Colonel Sanders didn't even get the first investment for KFC until he was like 50 something. So when you think about it, like, and I really appreciate that reminder, like, you're right. Like we can start again at any given moment if we believe we have the time to do so. Cause that's the, that's the mindset, but that's not something that I feel is normal. Like, or maybe I'm just out of the loop. Like how did you build that mindset to kind of give yourself the space to start again, to know that, Hey, you know what, even if I spent X amount of years being a golfer, practicing this, like, I can start again and start fresh and live a very long and happy life, even though I spent all this time doing this. How did you build that mindset? I think that I just was like, as you started to become really self-aware, I started to notice other people. And I started to notice like my parents, or I started to notice my uncles, or I started to notice like people that my, my girlfriend are working with as teachers, right? And they'll teach for like 10 years. They hate it, but they've been teaching for 10 years. So they might as well stick out the next 20 in order to get their pension. Like you break down the pension, it's like, yeah, you get maybe $1.5 million total out of your pension that gets paid out to you. Like imagine you stop what you're doing now, you found what you really love to do. At $1.5 million, I promise you will probably make a bunch more than that if you're good at if you're good at it. And people look at like money. So I just look at the outside. To answer your question clearly, I looked at other people and how they lived and how they were living for the weekend, living for that, you know, two vacations a year. You know, they, they buy their pre- their kids' presents on Christmas and another birthday and other than that, they you know, they go to eat once every couple of weeks. Like I'm like, I don't wanna do that. Like that's I've I've been through what I've been through. I know what I do. I almost like I knew what I didn't want. Yeah. And that's what drove me to to want to do something different. That's 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 powerful. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Like you don't even you don't even know what you wanted. You just didn't want what you had. I knew what I uh, yeah. I have a clear idea in my head, and from a young age, I'll tell you that much, Raj. I had a clear idea of what I didn't want, and that's powerful, man. That's powerful. How did knowing what you didn't want drive you to go get what you did want? I knew that if I didn't want to do that, I needed to be different than them, and not. I'm not downgrading anybody. Like, if you love what you do and you drive into work, like all the power to you. I think finding what you love to do is great for me. That wasn't my passion. And I knew that if I wanted to be an entrepreneur, if I wanted to do something on my own, if I wanted to inspire lives, I need to focus on like, who is doing that? I need to follow their path. The behaviors that they're having, I can't do. I can't do what they do. I can't do what you do. I need to do what you do. I don't think most people want to admit that they don't like what they're going through right now. I think most people don't want to admit that this isn't for them, or maybe this relationship isn't for them, or maybe this career isn't for them. Or I think most people are scared of what's going to happen. 
if they unravel their lives and they lose control, the fear of that keeps them oblivious. Like it's almost like they know there's an inner knowing that there's something else they want, or maybe this isn't what they want, but they shut that inner knowing in because of a fear of the unraveling of life. If they actually start to ask themselves these questions, even if they peek inside, it's almost like you can't see, you can't unsee what you've seen. I feel like a lot of people would rather just not see it all than see it and then have to live with the fact that they've seen it and they're not doing anything about it. Or they're truly unhappy and they're just telling you that they're not because they don't want you to think that they're not unhappy. Like they don't want social media to think that they're not unhappy. So they post a picture that they're happy. Like it could go that way too. I think they may know. I think some people may know that they're deep unhappy, but admitting it and then changing has to show people that they were unhappy. Mm. So to, to be happy, you need to show everyone else that you're unhappy, that you don't have the life that you want. I think that's tough. That is tough, man. And it's, and it's hard. So what advice do you have for people who are in that space right now? Are you going to let others dictate what you do? Or are you going to dictate what you do? You're going to let other people's influence and other people's thoughts and what they say about you. You're going to let them dictate the way you live your life and what you do because you're embarrassed of that. Or are you going to decide to say, you know what, I'm going to quiet that noise. I'm going to do me. And at the end, they're going to see that I've made it. Boom, baby. It's simple as that. Honestly, I want to know about the inspiration behind the daily grind. Uh, Cause I have a feeling you and I are very similar. I started to stay grounded as a way for me to stay grounded as a way for me to really learn as a way for me to keep myself contained and, and moving in the right direction. So what was the inspiration behind daily grind and, and how did, how, what role does it play for you? Yeah, I just, for me, it was like you go through that self-developed stage. I knew that I needed to learn from other people. I had got on a podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. And I saw the results of what that did for my business. And I'm like, wow, I wonder if I could get in touch with the same people that everyone else is. And I started to send out emails and I'm like, everyone is saying yes. <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, there's some no's for sure. I do get a lot of no's, but I'm like, most people are saying yes. Like these are people that I look up to. But I want to up my inner circle. Like this is a really unique way of doing it. And I can help others do it. And I just started to, to reach out and I got yeses and I got no's and I was persistent. People that I got no's from, I started to get yeses from. And I just really love to do it. Like this is awesome. Like the fact that I get to sit down with Raj and Austin yeah. today, who else can do that? Like not a lot of other people. The fact that amazing, like thousands of people are list are going to be listening to this. Like, it's crazy. So for me, it was just a way in which I could learn from others, lift up my inner circle and, and learn to do things the way I wanted to do them because I knew the way I didn't want. Yeah, for sure. I love this, man. And for everybody listening, I was actually a recent guest on Colin's podcast. So we'll make those available in the show notes. So you got it out. And man, I love this. I loved getting to just go down the rabbit hole with you, man. Like you are an inspiration and I'm, I'm grateful to call you a friend. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I got one last question for you in the midst of everything you've been through, everything you're doing and where you're going, how do you stay grounded? I think it's through those self-reflections and seeing my past and seeing my present and seeing my future, no matter if I'm super rich or super successful, if I'm average or whatever, I know that I know the person that I want to be. I know the person that I am. 
and that's all I can control. And I want, I want people when I'm out of the room to say good things about me. I want, I want people to, when they hear me, I want them to feel good about it and know that I'm being genuine and I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. Um, so for me to stay grounded, I think it's through self-reflection and sometimes self-reflection too. Part of that staying grounded is getting it from outside people. And I think that's why I found the right person here because uh, if I don't stay grounded, she'll put me in the mm-hmm. place for me, for me to stay grounded. I think that's super, I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Dude, like I said, I'm, I'm privileged and grateful to call you a friend. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for all the impact you're going to make. And I can't wait to follow the journey. And everybody will make all of Colin's links, podcasts, goodies, all of it available in the show notes. But y'all, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Colin. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.